You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Saint. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. We have something special for you in store, a couple of things actually. The drama team is going to be performing a short drama of about five minutes or so toward the end of the service, but we also have Santa Claus and all that's going to take place after we dismiss, but we've got some great things in store. Two weeks ago, I started down this road of a message entitled The Unlikely Way, and I have gotten so stoked out about developing this message and studying for it, preparing for it, I could have preached a month-long series on it. And uh, it's bad when you got all of this stuff on your worksheet and you have to start striking stuff because you can't, you can't do it all. Are you with me? Say amen. But I do want to talk with you about how God does things in an unlikely manner. He does things in an unorthodox way. What does that mean? A way that is not usual or customary. A way that would be unexpected. And so he, he's always had some strange doctrines, even in the New Testament, when he says, hey, if a soldier bids you to go a mile with him carrying his rucksack, when you get to the end of the mile, just tell him, hey, I'll go too. He said, you know, if someone smites you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. You know, he says, love your enemies. He said, if he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him the drink. If he goes to prison, go see him. If he needs a jacket, give him yours. And we're like, God, that don't sound like what I'm wanting to do. That is so unlikely. Are you with me? Say amen. It is unlikely. And I want to submit to you that throughout the Word of God, um, God has done things so different. And our, um, I guess the linchpin of our message or, or the scripture we've hung everything on is Isaiah when he said, you know, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are beyond and past finding out. So when man gets to this place where we say it's absolutely impossible, it just can't happen, God says, you know what, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. When man thinks they've got it figured out, God says, when you fail utterly, then I'll come on the scene and do it so that only God can receive the glory. So what I want you to know again today is that God still works in mysterious ways. Now, that is not a Bible verse. Don't go out and say, Pastor Saint say, the Bible says God works in mysterious ways. It implies it, but it don't say it that way. I want to give you a couple of examples. Let me just say, uh, first of all, turn to your neighbor and say, God works in funny ways. Unorthodox ways. I mean, has he ever done something so crazy? Um, you know, um, I'll give you an example. I remember when, how many of you know the Bible says if we delight ourselves in the Lord... He will give us the desires of our heart. I remember selling a three-bedroom brick home. It was seven months old. Kelly picked out all the cabinets, the carpet, the paint, and all that stuff. We built it in Lake Park, Georgia, five miles from Wild Adventures, or less than five from Wild Adventures. Didn't know that place was going to blow up like it did. I might have kept it. But nonetheless, uh, I got an opportunity to go pastor a church and take a big pay cut. I wasn't making but $300 a week gross pay, and that was pretty gross. And... uh, I got an opportunity to go to Claxton, Georgia to make $280 a week, are y'all with me, to about 34 people and become the senior pastor instead of the associate pastor. And then I realized, man, I didn't know everything. 
And I got there, and um, but uh, the Lord said, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, we left that nice three-bedroom brick home on a half acre of land and all that stuff and went to a falling down trash heap of a single wide trailer that literally, if you ran the bathtub more than about that, you might find yourself on the dirt. Because the crack around the wall would get bigger and bigger and bigger the more water you put. Are y'all with me? Say amen. We're trying to bathe Adam and Carly and boom, no. So, um... When it rained, you better be careful how you touch the back door because it would light you up. There was a short somehow that from the light that was out there to the aluminum or whatever that was around the... And man, it was, it was an electrifying experience. Are you with me? So, but I had, Kelly and I had agreed that we would take this big sacrifice and we would, because God had called us to ministry and so things didn't matter. And um, it wasn't quite as easy as I'm making it sound. But uh, nonetheless, we, we took that step and we went in faith and uh, had pretty much just given away, given up almost everything. And so, but the Lord blessed me. I wanted, uh, number one, I had sold my rifles and all that. I love to hunt. I wanted a rifle so bad and God made a way for me to, to pick up a Marlin 3030. I said, well, boy, that, that sure is good, Lord, but now I need a truck. And I'll never forget Tara's grandfather, um, who was a veteran, praise the Lord. He was up in his years and blind in one eye, and he had an old F-100 truck that had a skin down, I mean, a skint place all down the right side because he was blind in that eye. And uh, anyway, he got in bad health and passed on, and guess what? I bought that truck for $700. Are y'all with me? The Lord giving me the desires of my heart, and I said, well, Lord, now I got my rifle, I got a truck. I need a Tomcat uh, tree climber because that was kind of the hottest thing back then. I was out visiting one night to uh, one of the families in the church, and uh, I, as I was coming up to the front door, and I noticed hanging on the pine tree right in the front yard was a tomcat tree climber. I said, no, what in the world? I didn't even know these people hunted. And I got in, I got talking to them, and the son of the lady said, well, I, somebody gave me a good deal on that thing the other day, and I don't even really hunt. He said, but I thought it was a good deal, so I bought it. I said, well, are you going to hunt with it? He said, well, not really. I said, well, what would you take for it? $20. $20? He might have stolen it. I don't know. But anyway, the, the Lord works in unlikely ways. I gave him $20 and walked out with a Tomcat. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So I'm saying God does some weird things. And, but he gave me the desires of my heart. And I, and I wish I had time to tell you all of that. I, as a matter of fact, I'd already come here. And I'll never forget... Uh, and let me talk to you hunters for a second. I, I, I love that 30-30, and I really enjoyed it. And, but I always wanted a bolt-action 30-06 rifle. Never could afford one, but I, I wanted one. So I was a, a man from the church, and the old church had took me bird hunting one day. We was out, me and my dad. He took us bird hunting on Cabin Bluff, and man, we were having a time shooting some quail. And uh, he asked me one day, he said, Pastor... What kind of deer rifle you got? I said, well, I got a Marlin 33. had it for years. And he said, well, if you were to go and buy one, what would you buy? I said, well, you know, what I'd probably buy would be a bolt action 30-06. Let me tell you all something. You ain't going to believe this. But Sunday I came to church in my Suburban that I still drive to this day. And laying on the front seat of my Suburban was a bolt action 30-06. Amen. I went back to this fellow, and he said, how do you know I put it in there? I said, come on, man. 
God has a unique and an unlikely way of doing things. Let me take you, in 1 Kings chapter 17, I find the widow of Zarephath, her son got sick. And um, he died. And you know when she called Elijah to go pray for him, you know how he done it? He took the boy upstairs and laid him down on the bed. You know, and he got down on top of this boy like this and stretched out on him three times. Now that would upset most of y'all enough to leave the church if I'd done that one time. I mean, he laid himself out, I mean, right out, stretched himself out on the boy three times. He's, the boy's dead. I mean, well, you don't guess you're going to hurt him. But it's kind of freaky. I don't know if God's in that. It don't seem right. I mean, it's, it's weird. It's unorthodox. Nobody lays down on dead people. But somehow when Elijah got up, the boy got up. He brought him back downstairs and gave him to his mama and said he lives. Unorthodox and unlikely. I mean, crazy. There was another man in Mark chapter 8. He was blind as a bat. He couldn't see nothing. And the Lord led him outside the city limits. He's going to do a miracle. You know what he did? He spit right in his face. He spit. You read it in Mark 8, 23. Now, I know y'all have come to me for prayer. And I normally grab the bottle of oil. And I put my finger on your head and pray for you and everybody reaches out and touches you. But if you came with glaucoma, and I said, do you really want me to pray for you like I feel like praying for you? You really want me to pray for you the way Jesus prayed? Well, yeah, Pastor. Are you sure? You know it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I haul off and rear back and spit in your eyes. You probably cuss me out. You might even lash out and try to hit me. I'd have to get the ushers to move you on out of here. And you'd find you another church. Unless, unless I spit in your eyes and all of a sudden you could see. Now Jesus done such a thing. He's unlikely and unorthodox and backwards. And the very thing you think will work most oftentimes won't. And we just have to submit ourselves to him and say, Oh God, it's an unlikely way. It is unorthodox, but I'm willing to be a fool for you. This ain't in the notes, it's free. But Naaman the Syrian warrior, you remember Naaman? Naaman was the Syrian warrior that got promoted to be a general because uh, he had launched the arrow that killed King Ahab. King Ben-Hadad made him captain of the host, that is the general of his army. But one thing about him, although he had a uniform and all the regalia, he was this decorated war hero. He was a leper. And the basest slave in Syria would not trade skins with him because of his malady, because of his sickness. One day a little damsel, a little Jewish girl that had been deported to Syria, there she was. And she said, but you know, my Lord, there is a prophet in Israel by the name of Elisha. If you were to go see him, he could heal you. He could recover you of this malady. And guess what he did? He got laden down with all kinds of gifts and clothes and cheese and this and that and the other. And they made their trek toward Jerusalem. They got there <clears throat> unorthodox. Even the prophet Elisha, you know, when Gehazi answered the door, he says, I'm here to see the prophet. 
He says, well, and this is my college. I don't know exactly what he said, but the prophet's busy. He can't come to the door. Some of y'all would find another church right off the bat. He can't, he can't come to the door. He's busy. I don't know what he's doing, but, but he can't come to the door. But he went back and said, Look, hey, Naaman's at the door. What were you even tell him? He said, well, just tell him if he wants to get healed from leprosy, go to the Jordan River, dip all the way underneath that water seven times. On the seventh time when he gets up, he'll be clean. Healed. I mean of a dreadful malady. Uh, so he goes back out there and said, look here, the prophet can't come to the door. But he said, if you'll just go down to the river, to the Jordan River, dip in there seven times, when you get up, you'll be clean. He's like, uh, 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 no, no, you mean tell me he ain't going to come out here and strike his hand over me, lay hands on me, anoint me, and call on the name of the Lord? Do, do you realize who's standing here? I am the captain of the host of Syria. It would be an honor for him to pray for me, and what a photo op. Now, that's all mycology. I ain't saying this. He said, I'm sorry the prophet can't come out, but he said, if you'll just do it, you'll be recovered. He said, are not the Abana River and the Farfa River clean waters? Sewage spills into the Jordan River. It's unorthodox and unlikely. So he says, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to stand for it. I ain't going to have no part of it, right? So he gets in his chariot and he heads back to Syria. His driver says, Master, what if he would have asked you to do something noble? What if he had asked you to do something big and, you know, big pomp and circumstance? Would you have done it? He said, uh, yeah, I'd have done it. He said, how much more? Just go dip in the water and be clean. Go home free. Go home healed. All right. So he turns around. I don't know if he took his uniform off or I don't know. But he goes out there in this putrid, stinking water. And this ain't in the notes, friends. It's just here. He goes out there and he dips down one time, two times, three times. He's probably thinking. He's looking at the sores. and you know. But on the seventh time when he dipped, when he come up, the Bible says his skin was as clean as a baby's skin. In an unlikely and in an unorthodox way, God does things in strange and crazy ways. Lord, help me. I need to move on. Uh, I want to tell you something. Here's why you need to know that he's so unorthodox, he's so strange. It's when it don't meet your criteria, don't count God out. Just because the bank said no, that don't mean the answer's no. God specifically told me when I was building this, or we were building this, do not believe the first thing you hear about anything. I had to remind myself a lot of times about that. Let me say this. When, when you know that God is unorthodox, when you know that He does things unlikely and unlike man would do it, you don't have to worry when things get out of kilter. Let me give you another example. In 1973, my dad fell in the snow. It's only snowed this much in Georgia once in my life that I can remember, but it was about a foot deep in 1973 in Columbus, Georgia. I'll never forget it. We built the biggest snowman he had to last because he ain't been back, you know. But nonetheless, my dad slipped and fell in the snow, ruptured several discs in his back, and the doctor said, you'll never walk again. <clears throat> this was bad. So what happens when you get out of work <clears throat> and the bills keep coming and the money stopped? <clears throat> we ended up on food stamps. I used to hate having to hand them. Nowadays, you've got a little card, man. It looks like a credit card. Nobody knows no difference. But I had to carry the books. Three or four of them. Hand them to the cart, you know, they hold them up, everybody, well, there's a five, ten. 
I mean, they can't hold it down by the register and, you know. It's kind of like, hey, y'all ever been in Walmart or something and got one of them? I mean, if you put your card through there and, and the money ain't there, and it's like, card declined! It don't say it softly. It don't read it out where it says, you know, you might want to check your balance or use another card, man. It is, I mean, the PA system working then. That's how it is. But anyway, my dad fell in the snow. He's he's bad shape. They said you're never gonna walk again. He don't have no money. He has three children. He has a wife. He has rent to pay. He has lights, gas, water, all those things, and no money. And he's already begged the utility company to wait, wait. The church has come to our rescue a time or two. Six months goes by, and it is bad shape, man. We're in trouble. We're really in trouble. In fact, we got to have, we're going to have to move if something don't happen. We've we got to do something because there's no money coming in, although we got some assistance. I mean, it's, it's hard to make it on what you're making, let alone make it on half of what you're making. But my dad had won a young man to the Lord by the name of Michael Moyer. Michael Moyer was a hoodlum. He had wrote a bunch of bad checks. But then he got saved. They caught up to him. And after he got saved, they said, you've got to stand trial. He ended up going to prison for 18 months. But Daddy had befriended him. Daddy had won him to the Lord. And so in the meantime, all that happened. Daddy fell in the snow. We're in bad shape. Michael's in prison. They're writing letters back and forth. Guess what? Michael meets a millionaire in prison. He happens to be talking to him about my dad's situation. And just in the nick of time, and in an unlikely way, my dad sitting at a table one day going through his bills. And he was kind of like Fred Sanford. Just put them back in the box. You ain't got no money for them. Just put them back in the box. You know, Lamont asked Dad, what you doing, Pop? Put them back in the box. Why? Ain't got no money for them. Can't pay them. So my dad's sitting there, and he's throwing, I mean, he, you know, radiology. Camden Medical. You know, whoever, just, just throw it in. Ain't no sense in worrying about it. So he grabbed an envelope. I don't even know what it was. It was ugly. It was dirty. And he just threw it in there. He said, the Spirit of the Lord stopped me real quick and said, open that envelope. My dad said, I don't need to look at another bill. I, I ain't going to pay none of them. I ain't got nothing to pay them with. And he said, but the Spirit of the Lord checked me and said, open that envelope. He opened that envelope, tore into it, and there's a check from this man in prison that was a friend of the man that he led to the Lord. Are y'all hearing me? God works in unorthodox and crazy ways. Enough money to pay us out of hock. Amen. How is it that God allowed Joseph to dream a dream and be sold into slavery by his own brothers? And they would go and lie and deceive their daddy and make him think he's dead for 20 years. But yet God said, hey, the devil meant this for your harm. I meant this for your good. I sent you before your family down to Egypt to save this country alive. So... Here's what I want you to do. I, I said it last time. I'm saying it again. I want you to commit your way to the Lord's way. I want you to commit your heart to say, God, I don't care how stupid and unorthodox and unlikely it looks. I'm going to tell you something. You know what pastors told me? I'm talking about pastors who were renowned in South Georgia. When I said I'm going to Kingsland, they said, hey, hold the phone. I done run revivals down there. I, my, my own pastor, Ray Dawson, said, Pastor, do you hear me? He said, Mike, if God told you this, I'll come help you pack. He said, but you better know God said it. I'm just telling you. God works in unorthodox ways. Why would you go to somewhere that owes $78,000? Why would you? Why, somebody said about this church, are y'all nuts building a building in the worst economy since the Great Depression? 
We missed a payment. Somehow God takes care. God does unlikely things in unlikely ways. So guess what? You might be the unlikely one. That's you know what? David was the least of all the shepherd. I mean, of the boys. You know, Eliab was bigger. Shammah was bigger. Some of them looked better. On and on and on. But the Bible says that do not look on the outward appearance. For God looks on the heart. He's unorthodox in the way. So commit your way to the Lord. Decide I'm going to do this God's way. I'm going to fulfill what the word of the Lord said do. And just face it, God does pretty unique things. He works in ways that we can't figure out. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He is phenomenal. What does that mean? He's exceptional. Phenomenon defined as this. It is a marvel. It is a wonder of singularity, a spectacle, a miracle. Let me just give you a couple of phenomenal things. I need to run through this quick. But think about when the wise men came to see Jesus. I want you to see the phenomenon of that. Uh, who were these men to start with? The Bible doesn't tell us exactly. We don't have a clear record exactly of who they are. However, there are some things that we do know. They were Gentiles, probably from ancient Persia, and their expertise was in the area of astronomy. And they had learned about what the Bible said, quote, His star, end quote. Amen. And, and uh, they, um, they had learned what Isaiah wrote in 60 and 3. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Let me say this. They did not come looking for him to be born. But they came looking for him who was born. The Lord had shown them his star and said for them to go and find the one who was born king of the Jews now let me go on um, it seems to me that this would credential the fact that they had received a revelation from God uh, not only the fact that he would be born but the timing that he was already born then the phenomena of the star that led him watch this men of lesser uh, notoriety of lesser calling would have been mocked by Herod for having pretended that a star led them. But when you had ancient kings, when you had renowned men that said a star led us. If I would have been told Herod that, he said, get this idiot out of my office. But somebody noble, somebody of stature, somebody of reputation, when these three kings said that a star led us, they were on par with him. Are you with me? And it, it lended or it lent credence to it, if you will. So the fact that these men were not mocked, uh, but that they received uh, uh, their questions and answers. They were men of great respect and great sincerity. Then I want you to notice this. The star's place in the east. They didn't call it a star, they called it his star. And then it leads, it goes from the east to west, which that's the natural travel. But something about this one, it turned southward and then stood. Heavenly body just stopped. Then we do, we got Old Testament records where Joshua said the sun stands still. Amen? That's the only time we've ever seen that kind of thing. It was a special star. Perhaps even the glory of the Lord. How many of you remember the Old Testament? The, the children of Israel was led by... A pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. 
or cloud by day, pillow of fire by night, right? God has a way of doing things in the sky. And, le- you know, He rides on the wings of the winds. He makes the chariots, uh, makes the, the wind a chariot, if you will, and rides on the wings of the wind. That's the Lord. So, let me go on. Perhaps it's the glory of the Lord that's leading them. Um, and then let's look at the phenomenon of the house. The star came and it stood there. Then they came rejoicing. Watch this. Not because they had seen Him yet, but because they saw His star. Is that something to rejoice over? Because I see a star. This was not just any ordinary star. But this one shone in the daylight just like in the nighttime. Are you with me? Say amen. It was leading them. Worship was being given. Worship is given now in the presence of Mary, the child's mother. All of this speaks of great humility and understanding. The divine one that lays before them. And they brought, as you'll see in a moment, gold and frankincense and myrrh, uh, the gifts for him. And then there is the phenomenon, if I may, of their departure. Now, Herod said to them, when you find out where he's at, come back and tell me. Because I too would like to go and worship him. Truth or lie? Lie! He didn't want to worship him, he wanted to kill him. And God revealed to the three wise men, as they were following the star and going to where he was at, God revealed to them that Herod has ill in his heart. And he don't want to come worship, but he wants to kill him. So they decided to disobey his order. They were under orders to return to Herod and tell him where they found him. But when they came and worshipped him and presented the golden frankincense and myrrh, they departed another way. Amen. Let me say, but God. Huh? Where would I be without the Lord? I mean, and you know what? The unlikelihood of the things that have happened in my life. And yeah, I've dealt with some bad blows and probably you have too. But guess what? But God, you're still here today. But God, the devil meant to kill you. But God. And let me say this. When this life is over and we all lay it down because there is a day when flesh mortal, mortal shall put on immortality and corruptible shall put on incorruption. And when we step out of this life and into that life, let me say this, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Wow. Incredible. So, uh... Let me move on. They were warned by God to do something else, and so that's what they did. Let me say this. I need to try to land this for you. God does unlikely things. I remember, I don't have time to preach this. I'm going to build another message for it. The prophecy of Balaam. I don't have time to tell you all about it, but I'm going to get to a certain place here in just a moment. Balak, who was the king of Moab, called for Balaam, who was a sort of prophet and sort of half-hearted prophet. In other words, he would speak for the Lord, but if you had enough money, he'd sort of tell you what you wanted to hear. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, what is the likelihood of God using some half-cocked prophet like that? But he did. It blows my mind. Because I'm not God. I don't make the rules. He can use whoever he wants to. Balak called for Balaam to come. He said, what I want you to do is come and curse Israel. 
Because Israel is expanding and they are big. And they're getting larger and larger. He said, I want you to come and curse them. He said, I'm going to come. He said, but, but I, can't, I, I can't tell you what you want to hear. I've got to tell you what God says. So he got there. And he said, build me some altars, seven altars. Put a bull on one, a ram, I mean, bull and a ram on each one. So they've done all that. He said, let me go talk to God and I'll come back and tell you what God said. So he goes, comes back. And um, he says, here's what the Lord says. He looks out and he blesses Israel. Uh, I mean, he just, he says, I cannot curse those whom God has blessed. I, I, I cannot, I don't see any divination. I don't see any sorcery against them. But, but I cannot curse those that God has blessed. Well, three times he builds another altar and he builds another altar. And I cannot curse them. And, and Balak says, Balaam, I asked you to, I, he said, don't you think I can pay you well? Don't you think I could pay you? He said, didn't I tell you I couldn't tell you no more than what God said? If God wants me to curse them, I'll curse them. But if I go and talk to God, I don't care how many altars we built. They built three. They built three altars. They put a ram and a bull on each altar. He said, I don't care how much we do. I don't care how much money you got if you gave me all the gold you had in Moab. I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord. I can only say what the Lord says. So he prayed. He come back and told him his first oracle. He come back and told him a second. He come back and told him, and they would take him to different places to look at the tents of Israel. And you know he'd go out and he'd say things like this: "Oh, Balak and all these from Moab, they're waiting on him to to curse them." He'd lift his hands and say, "There they are." The Lord is upon them. Their tents are, I mean, their area, their territory is being broadened and being expanded. And God has, and then Balak would get mad and say, I thought I told you to curse them. He said, I cannot curse whom God has blessed. Let me say to you real quick before we tie this up. I don't care who tries to put a hex on you. I don't care who tries to pull some divination over you. Those whom God has said are blessed cannot be cursed. If you are walking where you need to be walking with the Lord, guess what? It'll hit you and roll like water off a duck's back. So Balaam went one more time to pray. Now here's, here's what's so unlikely, so crazy. He's, God said, don't just, God didn't even want him to go. And then God said, okay, if you must go, go, but only say what I say. And so here's this half-cocked prophet that is not really um, where he ought to be. He wouldn't be the guy you'd go see in revival. But nonetheless, he goes and he prays. He gets a hold of God. And Balak and all of the people from Moab, they come and they gather around him. And he falls into almost a trance. He looks out upon the tents of Israel. And he said, I see him. But not now. I behold him. But not near. A star will come out of Jacob. And a scepter will rise out of Israel. 1,400 years before a virgin conceived and bore a son, a half-cocked prophet named Balaam said, I see him, but not yet. He's coming, but not now. 
700 years before Isaiah said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Let me say this in an unlikely way, in an unorthodox way. I'm telling you, God could have done it plain. He could have done it clear. He, I mean, why would a king be laid in a stable in a manger? How could someone who spoke the world into existence and walked on water not even have a home when he said, Foxes have holes and birds have nests and the Son of Man has not a place to lay his head. How can that be? It is such a paradox. God does things so weird, so unlikely. So that's why you must walk in the Spirit to be able to understand that no matter if your crazy neighbor or church member sitting beside you understands what's going on in your life or not, God has it all worked out. At this time, our drama team is going to perform for you and show you, and I want you to get this, I want to preface this, if I may, they're going to show you how the old devil tried his best to thwart the plan of God. They wanted baby Jesus killed. And I'll give you an Old Testament uh, parallel while they're getting ready. If you remember, when Moses was drawn out of the water, when Moses was... Uh, um, put in the Nile River because the edict from the Pharaoh was every Hebrew boy must die. You know what they wanted to do? They wanted to get rid of Jesus. They wanted to kill him off. I mean, uh, Moses. They wanted to kill him off before he could come to power. Before he could rise up and deliver Israel out of Egypt. And likewise, Herod wanted to kill Jesus. That's why his own grandchild died at his order. Because he said every child two years and under must die. They wanted to kill Jesus before he could become our Savior. And it did not work. It is God's way and it is an unlikely way. Enjoy. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at harborwc.com.